You're listening to the World Watch Weekly Podcast by Open Doors Canada. The goal of this podcast is to help you pray for your persecuted family. Since 1955, when Brother Andrew went behind the Iron Curtain for the first time, Open Doors has been strengthening persecuted Christians where faith costs the most. For more information about Open Doors Canada or about the World Watch List, please visit our website at www.opendoorsca.org. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to the World Watch Weekly Podcast. My name is Andrew, and today we're going to be listening to a message from Jared about how we can pray for our persecuted family. Because this month is our One With Them initiative and we're focusing on prayer for Christian captives, Jared is going to encourage us on on how we can pray for our Christian captives. I encourage you to sit back, listen, and let God speak to you today. Well, at Open Doors, we've been dedicating the month of June to praying for Christian captives through the One With Them campaign. Many of you, our listeners, have added your name to the prayer pledge and have committed to praying for our brothers and sisters who are imprisoned for their faith. What we wanted to do today is go to the Bible for some tips about how we pray for our brothers and sisters. I'd invite you to open your Bibles with me. I hope you have one with you. Uh, to the book of Acts. We're going to read a story today about a time when believers came together to pray for someone in prison. This is Acts chapter 12. For a bit of context, this takes place between 10 to 15 years after Christ left the earth. The gospel is spreading into the world, but at this moment we find the apostles in Jerusalem. They've endured some pushback already, mainly from the priests and religious leaders trying to get them to stop preaching in the temple. A few chapters ago, there was the story of the first martyr of the Christian church. His name was Stephen. And so in Acts chapter 12, we find ourselves at the beginning of the persecution of the early church. Herod, the ruler of the region at the time, realizes that this new faction who call themselves Christians need to be taken seriously. And so he decides to begin stamping them out. What we're going to read here is a story of a Christian being put in jail and how the other Christians responded. So we're in Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, and I'm going to read to verse 16. About that time, King Herod began to harass some who belonged to the church. He had James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he arrested Peter as well. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. He put Peter in prison, handing him over to four squads of soldiers, sixteen in all, who guarded him. He planned to charge him publicly after the Passover. While Peter was in prison, the church offered earnest prayer to God for him. The night before Herod was going to bring Peter's case forward, Peter was asleep between two soldiers and bound with two chains, with soldiers guarding the prison entrance. Suddenly, an angel from the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the prison cell. After nudging Peter on his side to awaken him, the angel raised him up and said, Quick, get up! The chains fell from his wrists. The angel continued, Get dressed, put on your sandals. Peter did as he was told. The angel said, Put on your coat and follow me. Following the angel, Peter left the prison. However, he didn't realize the angel had actually done all this. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. After leaving the prison, they proceeded the length of one street, when abruptly the angel was gone. At that, 
Peter came to his senses and remarked, Now I'm certain that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod and from everything the Jewish people expected. Realizing this, he made his way to Mary's house. Mary was John's mother, who was also known as Mark. Many believers had gathered there and were praying. When Peter knocked at the outer gate, a female servant named Rhoda went to answer. She was so overcome with joy when she recognized Peter's voice that she didn't open the gate. Instead, she ran back in and announced that Peter was standing at the gate. You've lost your mind, they responded. She stuck by her story with such determination that they began to say, it must be his guardian angel. Meanwhile, Peter remained outside, knocking at the gate. They finally opened the gate and saw him there, and they were astounded. So this is a straight up supernatural prison break. It's an amazing story of God's provision in a miraculous way. But what I want to take from the story as we move into the month of June and the One With Them campaign is three principles for praying for Christian captives. This group of Christians here at the end of the story were devoting themselves to praying for Peter during his imprisonment. So what can we learn from that? Three principles for praying for Christian captives. And the first principle from this story, we should pray despite overwhelming odds. We should pray for our persecuted family, for Christian captives, despite overwhelming odds. So let's picture what's happening with Peter here. All the things put in place to prevent these prayers from working. Peter is chained up in a Roman cell, a maximum security Roman cell. It sounds from the text like he's chained in between two guards. Likely he was actually chained to the guards themselves. Outside his cell, there's two more guards at the door. Let's try for a moment to get inside Peter's mind. There's a lot going on here. This was during the Festival of Unleavened Bread, which was the seven-day festival of the Passover. Herod didn't want to kill Peter during the Jewish festival, so instead he's got Peter in chains for apparently a few days there. It's interesting that Jesus was also killed during the Passover celebrations, and you've got to think that every Passover, his disciples, including Peter, must have been thinking about what happened at that time, the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the things that the disciples were now preaching and the reason that they were in trouble. And now, we know from historical records that Herod Agrippa, who's put Peter in prison here, reigned in Judea from AD 41 to 44. Jesus was crucified somewhere between 30 to 33, so Peter's in prison here somewhere between 10 and 12 years to the day after Jesus was crucified. He's got several days in prison to anticipate his upcoming death, and surely he must have been thinking about whether it might just be easier to agree and say, I'm never going to preach again, and have been set free. But he didn't, of course, and all this must have been going through his mind while he's lying there, chained between two guards for a whole week awaiting his execution. But here's the point. Look with me at verse 5. While Peter was held in prison... The church offered earnest prayer to God for him. Despite all these odds, the powerful political opposition, the fact that he's chained between two guards with more guards at the door, and it sounds from the text like there's an iron gate in the way, the fact that he's been in prison for several days at this point, all this and the church continued to pray for him. Brother Andrew, the founder of Open Doors, has a saying. He would say, there are no doors closed to us when we pray. 
Despite all these obstacles, the church continued to pray for Peter. There are no doors closed to us when we pray. And incidentally, that's where the name Open Doors actually comes from. In this case, in the story, the door quite literally opens. Obstacles don't matter to God. And the story proves that, doesn't it? Look with me at verse 7. Suddenly, an angel from the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the prison cell. After nudging Peter on his side to awaken him, the angel raised him up and said, Quick, get up, and the chains fell from his wrists. So the angel wakes him up, obviously just walks past the guards without them seeing, and tells Peter to get up, and the chains just fall from his wrists. These obstacles don't matter to God. They walk past the guards, out of the prison to this iron gate which opens by itself, and then the angel's gone. Peter had been in that prison for a few days while the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And then at the very last moment, this was the last night before Peter was going to be executed, the very last moment God intervenes. We should pray for our persecuted family and for Christian captives despite overwhelming odds. So now Peter's standing in the middle of the city square by himself, and he runs to the house where he knows the believers have been praying, the house of a woman named Mary. And here we come to our second point. We should pray for Christian captives with full confidence in God. What happens here is something that likely has trapped us all at some point, the trap of praying for something that we don't really expect to happen. So Peter runs up to the door, hammers on it, let me in, let me in, and the servant recognizes his voice. It's Peter. And they don't believe her. And she comes in yelling that Peter has arrived, and they just say, this is ridiculous, you can't be serious. And they go back to praying for Peter's release. They were praying for something that they didn't expect. After all these obstacles, God has shown that he's able to answer their prayers But when the answer literally comes knocking on the door, they didn't believe that it actually happened. And to be honest, I get it. I think we all do. When we hear a story from somewhere across the world about a believer in prison or maybe someone who's been kidnapped, you know, we might say a prayer for them, but how often do we really expect to hear that that prayer has been answered? How often do we pray for persecuted Christians? And I'll expand it for a moment. Pray for anything at all, really. And in our heart of hearts, not really expect to get an answer. It's probably more often than we'd like to admit. But the story of Peter reminds us we need to pray for Christian captives with full confidence in God. To be honest, there's a lot of instances to put this into practice. Lots of instances where we need to have full confidence in God. We've talked on the podcast before about Leah Sherabu, a Christian from Nigeria. Four years ago, she was kidnapped because of her faith. Last year, we got confirmation that she was alive. We haven't heard anything since then. We've been praying, and the church around the world has been praying, but it will take a miracle for her to be freed. We're praying against all odds, but we're still praying with full confidence in God. We've seen so far how we should pray despite the overwhelming odds, and we've seen how in the midst of those overwhelming odds, we should have full confidence in God. But there's one more thing that I think is really, really important to take away from this story. Look back with me for a moment at verse 1. About that time, 
King Herod began to harass some who belonged to the church. He had James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he arrested Peter as well during the festival of unleavened bread. So we have this amazing story of God's provision and miraculous rescue of Peter. But what we tend to gloss over is that James died. James was also a disciple. He was actually one of Jesus' three closest friends along with Peter. He was arrested, just like Peter, for being a part of this new Christian church. But unlike Peter, he didn't make it out alive. And this is the last of the three principles for praying for Christian captives. We pray despite overwhelming odds. We pray with full confidence in God. And we need to pray even when our prayers aren't always answered. It sounds from the text like James was beheaded uh, not too long before Peter was imprisoned. He was, as far as we know, the first of the disciples to be martyred. Imagine how devastating that must have been for the church. One of the people who knew Jesus the best while he was on earth, doubtless a major figure in the church, executed by Herod. And presumably, if James had any kind of imprisonment leading up to his death, the church was praying for him too. But he died. I think it would have been incredibly easy for the believers to lose hope and be less inclined to pray for Peter. In fact, maybe that's why they had a hard time believing that he had actually been rescued. But the fact is that when Peter was in prison, after James was killed, the church offered earnest prayers to God for him. During the month of June in the One With Them campaign, Open Doors is focusing on a number of specific stories of people who are currently in captivity. But there's innumerable other stories of Christians who were put in prison or kidnapped and didn't survive. It's disheartening. But it doesn't mean we stop praying. We pray despite those overwhelming odds, and we pray with full confidence in God, but even when those prayers aren't answered in the way we hope, we still continue always to pray for our brothers and sisters who are suffering. You know, some members of the early church thought they were going to be the last generation on earth. They were expecting Jesus to return right then, but even when that didn't happen and they realized that their faith might lead them to death, many of them accepted it. James was beheaded. Peter escaped in this case, but tradition says he eventually was martyred for his faith. As persecution in the early church continued, it involved being killed by the Romans, fed to lions, and and more. But the church stood strong through the grace of God and because they were standing together as the body of Christ. The church offered up earnest prayers to God for Peter. And today, 2,000 years later, believers around the world are still being put in prison. They're still being killed. They're still enduring social pressure and family pressure and government discrimination, and the list goes on and on. But part of our job as members of the body of Christ is to pray for each other like the believers prayed for Peter. So during the One With Them campaign, let's commit to earnestly praying for those who are put in prison or put in some form of captivity because of their faith. We pray despite the overwhelming odds, we always pray with full confidence in God, and we continue to pray, even when our prayers aren't always answered. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope it encouraged you as you pray this month for our brothers and sisters held captive for their faith in Jesus Christ. If you have not yet taken the prayer pledge, I do encourage you to visit onewiththem.ca 
take the prayer pledge, get involved, and pray for Christian captives all this month. If you're looking for uh, visual reminders of how you can pray on that website, onewiththem.ca, you can get prayer postcards that you can post on your wall uh, to help you to pray. And so we do encourage you to do that. Thanks again for listening. I will see you next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to Open Doors Canada's World Watch Weekly podcast. The goal of this podcast is to encourage Canadians to pray for our persecuted family. To find out more, please visit our website at www.opendoorsca.org and click on Get Involved and Prayer.